Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. We have an opportunity to sit around and hear from one another. And so I have a light conversation for you to start with, which is, when do you feel most alone? Find three or four people and enjoy that conversation. If you are new to New Abbey, or if you haven't been around for a little bit, or maybe the sound of my voice numbs you to sleep, then you may have missed uh, that we are going through the Torah for the entire year. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Say with me, Genesis, Genesis. Exodus, Exodus. Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers. and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I know, talk about a good time for 2022, am I right? And we're going through the first five books of the Bible because they're all about listening. That for the people of God, particularly for the Jews, for thousands of years, there was this reality that you hear God. That in a world sometimes where you don't see God, when you want to see God show up, what you can practice is listening to God. And for the Jews, they've never forgotten that they were a marginalized people. Christians have often forgotten that. And the worst things that Christians have ever done has been when they have been powerful. But when we live from a marginalized perspective, we begin to see the Torah and the scriptures and the gospel in a very different way. That Jesus would have understood the Bible from a version of a marginalized perspective. And so we're going to be in the Torah so that we can learn to listen with one another to the stories of God. And so we will cover a lot of the stories that you've probably already heard before, maybe a lot of stories that are new, but hopefully we hear them from a fresh perspective. As we're Listening to these stories, we can also be reminded of this fact that we are in the season of Lent, that for the vast majority of the church around the world, they participate in a liturgical calendar, which means there are seasons of the year in which the church together reads from certain passages or remembers specific things. And in the season of Lent, we are remembering uh, the work of Jesus as Jesus moves towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, towards suffering, choosing to stand in solidarity with our pain and with our brokenness, eventually towards the path of resurrection. That in the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus does not avoid suffering, but Jesus goes through the suffering in order to lead us towards a path of transformation. So we hold those things together as we learn to listen and as we travel in the season of Lent. And I think that both of those larger themes moves us towards the conversation today. And the conversation today is simply that we are not alone. That maybe one of the deepest spiritual truths of any faith is simply that, that we are not alone. That these are the spaces when we do feel alone, when we experience loneliness or angst, that we most need God. As we think about the Lenten season and moving towards the cross, one of the loneliest passages in the Bible is Jesus on the cross shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That even Jesus shouts that out as a part of the human experience when we feel like we have nothing left. 
And it's out of that forsakenness, those depths of feelings of alone that eventually move towards resurrection to a larger story, to a larger narrative in which we realize that God was always there and is always there with us. And so in order to talk about not being alone, we're going to talk about some things. First, we're going to talk about unexpected encounters. And if we can talk about unexpected encounters, we can talk about broader imagination. And if we can have a broader imagination for some things, then promises, promises, my friends. And if we can talk about promises, promises, then what do you want? And if we can think about what do you want, then we can have some bigger dreams with one another. And if we can have some bigger dreams, then we can be honest about what do you need? And if we can talk about what do you need, then maybe we'll wake up on a sleepy Sunday, California morning. And if we can do that, then we'll practice some reminding with one another. I actually want to go to the end to get to the beginning. And the end is that I want to move towards mindfulness. And that mindfulness is simply this practice where we become aware of the present moment. That there's a reality as human beings that we are often distracted by life our own being, the clutter of thoughts that are in our head, the emotions that we are experiencing, things beyond ourselves. And so mindfulness is a practice that is very popular now. There are great apps for it. Go get the Calm app if you don't have, you need a little help in this world, right? And they remind you of doing simple things like returning to your breath. That when you return to your breath, you realize, oh my goodness, I am here. Did a bunch of yoga teachers in Lululemons in 2022 teach you about your breath? No, this is ancient wisdom, my friends, right? Even the ancient Jews, they'll talk about this idea that the idea for the word for spirit is ruach, and the word for spirit is just breath. That spirit is not some ethereal thing out there that every time that you breathe in and every time that you breathe out, the very existence that you have within your bones is just the spirit of God, just the breath that's living through you. It's some of the most ancient wisdom that's out there is what mindfulness is. Sometimes for me, when I'm participating in mindfulness, like these bigger concepts of God or returning to my breath or like finding a word or meditating or contemplative prayer don't always work for me. And so what I think of is very complex. An orange. Seriously. If I took the orange away and I asked you all to close your eyes, which you all will because you're good participants, thank you. Go ahead, seriously, close your eyes. And I just said, picture an orange. It's very simple for you. You are now mindful of that orange. If I ask you to just breathe in and smell that orange, you know exactly what that orange smells like. If I say to taste that orange, you know the taste of an orange. It's such a familiar, such a familiar taste. To feel yourself peeling that orange apart, you know exactly what it feels like. To see an orange, it's orange. You know what the color is. Everything about your senses can be mindful of that orange. You can open your eyes now. And for me, I'm not even joking with you, when I want to get mindful, I think of an orange. It simply just brings my attention to something so specific. And it holds me in this moment. And as it holds me in this moment, it allows me to remember bigger things and bigger realities, even realities about who I am and realities about who God is. Every night, well, not every night, but a lot of nights when my kids go to sleep, I say, let's talk about our truths. And so we say these things out loud together. I am loved, we all say. I am kind. I am brave. And my kids' little voice is saying this from each of their bedrooms, right? I am strong. I am smart. I am handsome or beautiful, depending on the child. They say different things, right? I am a leader. I am changing the world. 
I am, I say Corey Ray Marquez, each of my kids has their own names, they say their own names. And it's just a reminder to centering ourselves in who we are in this world. And that's part of the reason that we even do church, is that we come to remind ourselves of the deeper truths of who we are. So in order to do a little reminding this morning, let's look at Genesis chapter 28. It goes like this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. You guys are already inspired, I know. Life first, right here. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set, and taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. Pause. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Genesis, you need to catch up to what's going on here. Jacob is one of the patriarchs. His dad was Isaac. His grandfather was Abraham. And God had promised Abraham that God would give Abraham a child and that God would bless the entire world through this child, that child being Isaac. And then Isaac had a kid, had kids, and those kids, twins, were Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, from the womb, had a contentious relationship. The story even goes that coming out of the womb, Esau was first. And Jacob was holding on to the ankle, giving a little bit of uh, trouble to his older brother. And in the ancient world, if you're Esau, you're the oldest son, and so you receive a double portion of the blessing. Weird stuff, I know, but that's how the Bible works. Doesn't always have to make sense, but go with me. And so Jacob and Esau always didn't work out. Uh, Isaac loved Esau a little bit more. That's always an uncomfortable feeling when you feel like your parents have favorites. And in that world, Esau clearly didn't seem to be the sharpest tool in the shed. And so one day, Esau is out in the field hunting, and he comes back from hunting, and he sees that Jacob has made this incredible bowl of soup. He says, brother, I am starving. Can I have a bowl of soup? To which any other good sibling would you say? Sure, here's some soup. Not Jacob, my friends. Jacob says, I'd be happy to give you a bowl of soup if you sell me your birthright. Well, that's some messed up shit, all right? So what he's saying is, you're getting the double portion, but now I want the double portion for a bowl of soup. And his brother agrees, which is crazier part of the story? I don't know. This is some Game of Thrones shit, my friends, all right? It's all in the Bible. And so Jacob deceives his brother. Later on, it will say that Isaac was old in his age. He was blind, which is always, by the way, whenever the Bible says that somebody's blind, it means that they spiritually can't see. It means that they no longer can perceive the truths that are going on in the world, right? And so Isaac was blind and he didn't know what was going on. And he says to his son Esau, I'm old and I'm dying. How about you go hunt for me? And when you come back, I will give you a blessing for the rest of your life. And now Rebecca, Jacob's mom, apparently, I don't know, I guess where Jacob got it from, not sure, says, hey, Jacob, come here. We're gonna trick your father. Weird story again. And says, why don't you come in here? I'm gonna put some sheepskin on your arms because your arms are smooth because you've been nearing to too much, and we're going to make you feel a little bit hairier. And then we're going to put your brother's clothes on you because your brother's blind, so you're going to smell like your brother, feel like your brother. I'm going to make your dad his favorite bowl of soup, and we're going to give him some soup so that you can get the double blessing. Game of Thrones, all right? So they do all of this, and Isaac's like, hmm, you don't sound like Esau, but let me get the blessing anyways, gives the blessing away to Jacob. Esau comes back from the fields and he's like, what the just happened here? I was out hunting and he's angry and he's like, dad, can't you give me a blessing back? And dad's like, not the way it works. I don't give out two blessings. It's just how it is. Your brother got it, even though he deceived me. The Bible is so strange sometimes. And so Jacob runs for his life because he's already messed with Esau twice and Esau wants to kill his brother, literally. 
And so Jacob is on the run because he's been doing some deceitful stuff and trickery around the house. This is the story of the Bible. And in there, he gets to Haran, everybody's favorite place in the Middle East, I guess. And he pulls out a rock. How tired must you have been to use a rock as your pillow? And he lays down for the night. And the story sets us up for the complexity of what it means to be human. That how many of us just feel exhausted at times? And we feel exhausted because of the complexity of our human relationships. We feel exhausted from the most personal relationships or, oh, I saw how my boss looked at me today. And you think about it all night long, right? Or maybe it's a kid or a family member or things aren't going right. How many of us feel exhausted just because the world because you were crazy enough to turn on CNN or do, you do whatever you do on your phones, right? Yeah. Where are TikTok, wherever your news source is. You're, I don't know. I'm a millennial, but I might as well be 82 years old, people. I went to bed at 8.15 last night, all right? I am not cool, just so you know. Lost where I was going with that. And so we all have these feelings of when we're burned out, worn out, the end of our rope. We hit rock bottom. We have all of this different language in our world. And this is the story of where Jacob is at. He feels alone. He's got nobody around him that he can trust or who he loves. And he's literally running from his brother who wants to kill him. It's complex human emotions. And the story goes on. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending, on descending, ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, just God, standing on top of a magical staircase. What a Willy Wonka amazing dream. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Pause. The story for the ancient Jews and for the rabbis goes like this. Isn't it interesting that even when we feel most alone, most worn out, most burned out, when we feel we have nothing left, that's when God shows up. When we thought that there was no other option, when all of the things that you're doing to hold it together no longer work out, that's where God is. And I think that's a helpful reminder for us, a thing to be mindful of on our journeys, is that that is the story of faith that we see over and over and over, that there are these unexpected experiences that God brings up in our lives. And when we have those unexpected experiences where we encounter God, write that down, tell it to a friend, make a note in your phone, take those moments to come remind yourself about that later, that you remind, that you make yourself mindful of these things because there will come another day in which you will need that narrative again, in which you will have to say, I remember when God showed up there for me. I will always remember this moment. I was seven years old. I was a kid in Arizona. I was riding my bike on my orange Huffy and I was going by this long fence line in the middle of the day and the neighborhood was completely quiet. And I always remember riding there and just how the sun was coming through the fence. And for whatever reason, my little seven-year-old heart knew God is here and just felt it all around me. I remember just riding through that quiet summer day in Arizona and just feeling like I'm just with God. It was just pure and beautiful, and that experience, it holds me today. 
And so after I imagine an orange, sometimes I go back to that idea of God. And it holds me. I can remember those moments when my friends sat me down when I was blowing up my marriage, when I was trying to press eject, when I had done all of the most horrible things that I could ever imagine that I could do. And six of my best buddies from college sat me down and told me to stop being an asshole. And it was God. It was God in that moment when people just showed up for me when I had no one else that I thought would show up for me because they knew all the things that I had done and they still showed up. And so when you have those unexpected moments where God shows up, whether it's through people or something magical, whether it's through a song or a book or a sunset, write it down that you're cultivating those things within yourself because there will come a day when you will need to sit under that tree, when you will need to go cultivate that garden, remind yourselves of the good things that God is doing, that the story of Jesus is a story about a God who keeps showing up in unexpected ways. That's why all of the stories of Jesus are with sinners, right? Jesus is constantly surprising us by showing up with the woman caught in adultery. Caught right there before that. You can picture what was going on. You don't need Google images, right? And that's where Jesus shows up. To a woman sitting on a well, to a person who's possessed by demons, to people who were starving. There's just all these people who were in need, and Jesus kept showing up for them. That God keeps showing up in unexpected way, surprising people even when they were alone and thought that they were not worthy. That's the story of faith in God that we follow. And so if we can remind ourselves of this bigger reality of unexpected experiences and surprises, and we can get curious and be open to the reality that God might want to surprise us even more, then I think we can begin to have a broader imagination. And when we have a broader imagination for who God is and what God wants to do in the world, then I think we remind ourselves of even more beautiful things about who God is. I love this part of the story that says, I am the Lord, the God of, nope, keep going back, of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I love what God's saying here. Remember when I was there for granddad? Remember when they didn't have a kid and they were like 90 years old? Remember when I told them to leave their land and their possessions and their family and they had nothing going on for them? And I promised them that there would be a future and everyone's like, ha, 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 old people don't have kids. Gotcha. Remember that? Remember when I did that and you're a product of that? Remember when your father Isaac was asked to go be sacrificed in a mountain and wasn't? And remember when even they were barren and weren't able to have kids? And remember when I provided for them? Sometimes what we need in the world is we just need one another's stories and experiences where you can hear from somebody else the things that God promised somebody and the things that actually came true. Again, this isn't prosperity gospel. Not everything that you believe that God's gonna promise you is equally gonna come out the way that you want it to. And yet, there are plenty of stories amongst us in this room where God did make things happen. There was a moment for Candace and Crystal when being a lesbian couple in the United States meant that you could not get married and you lived in secret. And now you have two beautiful kids and we coach baseball together. And that's a promise that you'll always get a hold on to. God showed up and some things worked out in the universe that you could live your fullest life. And when your kids come asking one day, well, how do I know that God's gonna do something? Because here we are today. And we never thought this was possible, but look at us. And we all have moments where we can hear the stories of others around us and say, oh, I am the God of Candace and Crystal. I am the God of Aaron. I am the God of Mickey. I am the God of Chad. I am that God who showed up in your life. And I did it before, and what if I can continue to do it again? 
And so we increase a broader imagination for what God has done in the past to increase the opportunity and the reality for us to see more clearly what God might actually do in the present. And the story goes on. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you'll spread out to the west and to the east and the north and to the south and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Pause. I love this phrase here, all peoples. When you begin to recognize that God is with you, even in your loneliness, when God shows up for you, even in the most unexpected places, as you begin to cultivate that and develop that, guess what? As you heal from that and transform from that, as you tell those narratives to yourself, that is not just for you. That now gets to be for other people. Because there might come a time where these promises have become true for you, but they are in a place of loneliness and they're sleeping with a rock as their pillow, which is weird, but you get the point. And now they need your narrative. That all peoples will be blessed through you is how the story goes. That you're not just broadening your imagination for what God might do for your sake. You're doing it so that as you get more healed, you may offer it to other people as well. And isn't that the way that we actually want to live as human beings? Not at first, All of our favorite subjects is first is me. I love thinking about me. I love me. And you love you. That's what you do as a human. You were here today from an evolutionary standpoint because you thought about you today. You took a shower. You ate. You fed you today. But then as you get more mature, as you get more healthy, you want to feed others. You want to make sure that their needs are taken care of. And you're going to do it from a place of health. Not like the weird version of faith that many of us grew up with, where like you're not healthy at all, but you give the best of yourself away to somebody else. That killed a lot of people, by the way. And that is not faithfulness. That's just dumb. What we need is health. We recognize the good things that God's doing in us. We build that up, and then we begin to offer that to other people, and the world's a way more beautiful and healthy place. So we remember that God shows up in unexpected places. We have a broader imagination for what God has done in the past so that we can reimagine our present. We recognize, right, that God is not just blessing our presence. And I I don't use blessing in any of the gross ways. I mean, in all of the healthy ways, right, is developing you and making you more healthy, not only for your sake, but for the sake of others. And then the verse goes on. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I love that in the first part, what God's really saying is, I'm going to give you what you want. And we all want different things, right? For Jacob, he wanted what his grandfathers and grandmothers wanted. They wanted the land, and they wanted children. Because in the ancient world, when you had land, you had a place for kids, and your kids was your heritage and your eternal story in this world. Now, for some Gen Zers and millennials in Los Angeles, you will never consider children. That's okay, right? Or maybe land's not your thing. But you, are, you do have things that you want. Well, you live in LA, so good luck on buying it, is all I'm saying, <laughs> Right? Start saving now for rich grandparents. But either way, you want something. And what if God just knows the actual thing that you want? Now, what if it doesn't always work out perfectly, but how comforting is it to know that even when you feel the most alone, sometimes I feel like we, feel like we can't even say these things to God. Or else sometimes we have a weird expectation about what God's going to do. But what if it's just simple and open and you just simply get to say to God, this is what I want. I want land and kids, God. I want X or whatever the thing, you know, Tesla, Y. I don't know what you want. You want something. And then in this part of it, it's what you need. 
And what you need is something different. We all need this. We all need to hear the words, I am with you. Man, we all need that. You need that as a human being. You want to know the divine is saying over you, and I'm going to watch over you wherever you go. You need that. I don't need to preach anymore on that. The words speak for themselves. You need God saying that over your life. And when you cultivate, when you remind yourselves of these truths, it begins to sprout up in a new way within you. And it holds you in a beautiful way. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. How much do we need these words from God? I will not leave you. Even when you feel most alone. Even when you feel worn out. Even when you feel burned out. Even when you've hit rock bottom. When you have nothing left. When the world doesn't make sense. I will not leave you there. We want that to be true of God from a global sense right now. We want that to be true of God for the people of Ukraine. I will not leave you in these moments. We want that to be true for gay and trans kid in Florida and Texas right now. Regardless of what the laws are, I will not leave you. You will not be alone. They cannot legislate away your humanity because there are promises about you that are true. And even if the pharaohs and the kings of the empires of this world don't believe they're true, they will always be true about who you are. We need those realities from who God is. And then the story goes on. And it says this, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, Again, the word afraid just means a lot more love in the Hebrew translation. Afraid is really like wonder, awe, that moment of like, Whoa, what just happened here? He was in that moment and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And just hold this slide here. For me, as we experience a broader imagination for who God is and what God is doing in the world, as we open ourselves to unexpected experiences, as you are asking yourself broader questions about Jesus and about God in this world, as you're deconstructing and reconstructing, as you're figuring things out, one of the great gifts of that, and this happened thousands of years ago in the narratives, is that you will begin to see that God is just not here or there. And we talk about this phrase in here all of the time. For most of us, we grew up in faith communities or religious experiences where God is only in these specific places, and you only hear from God from these specific people. And if you grew up Protestant, we're even like crazier than the rest, because it's like you only hear from God from the Baptists or the Methodists or the third day, whatever. Like there's always a thing that gets more and more specific about who you hear from God from, and then everyone else somehow like didn't make it. That's a limited perspective of God. And if anyone ever talks about God in that way to you, no thank you. Because the story of Jesus is that the story always gets better. The story of Genesis, why we're in the Torah, is that the story always expands and evolves. That God shows up to a person, Abraham, and then blessing to a family, and then to a clan, and then to a tribe, and then to a nation, and then Jesus comes, right? And the story of Jesus is that Jesus offers his life and gives kingdom for all people. And then even Jesus is like, I gotta go because this isn't big enough, and the Spirit is for all of you. That Jesus didn't come to create the church, that Jesus came to reconcile the entire universe, is what Colossians says. That's a little bit bigger version of the story than the youth pastor maybe gave you. And we need that. And so in this story, when Jacob's like, well, I guess God's back there with my family. That's where the blessings are and the promises are and whatever. And I have nothing left. This is a story of like, oh my gosh, I thought God was just here or there. But God is everywhere and always. 
There's never a place that God isn't. And as I begin to remind myself of these things, as I begin to practice mindfulness about the truths of what God has done, as I begin to practice mindfulness about how God is working in the world and the ways that God might show up, then I begin to see a bigger perspective of just what it means to be human. And as I have this larger perspective of what it means to be human, I get to invite other people into that perspective as well. And that's the story of Jacob. Starts off with some Game of Thrones crazy reality and ends up with one of the largest universal statements that's in like the earliest stories of the Bible. That in the most defeated, alone, depressed, anxious states, this person sees God and says, man, I never thought that God would be here, but God was always in this place. Man, what if that could be true of your story? And so you knew Abby. May you this week be open to the realities of what God is doing. May you be open to all of the unexpected experiences and surprises and wonder that God may have for you. May you be open to this reality that God has worked before and God can work again in your life. May you be open to the beautiful reality that God is not just here or there. God is not limited in your perspective. God is not limited to any portion of your life. That God is everywhere and always and can hold all of who you are, even in your loneliest and most afraid moments. What if God is already there? Would you find those same three or four or five people and answer this question with one another? What can you remind yourself about God? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.